0: Hi, I'm Mike Agarbo. On this week's Get Connected podcast, we have a great program. We're gonna be talking about the latest in Intel processors, the new 11th generation Rocket Lake processors, and how much faster they are than the old ones. And we'll be talking about Twitch. We've got Jerry Berg coming onto the program. He's a, a Twitch streamer. He's got his own kind of chat show on Twitch does it a few times a week and he makes tens of thousands of dollars a year. We're going to ask him how and get tips on how you can do it as well. Now, it's time to get connected. You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We have a great program today, and I'll tell you why. We're going to be talking about the latest in processors for desktop computers. Why you need a high-powered desktop computing processor we have got a guest on from intel super interesting especially uh if uh, you want to do any type of gaming and later on in the program we're going to be talking to a twitch streamer and when i say twitch streamer i'm sure that most of the audience right now is like i don't know what that is
1: if they have kids they do
0: it's a streaming service. It's actually owned by Amazon now. I never knew why they bought them initially. I thought, this is stupid. Why is Amazon buying a, a video game streaming service? But it's so much more. Yes. We're going to be talking with Jerry Berg. He is a Twitch streamer that has an audience, a following of thousands of people that tune in weekly to his shows. He's got a few going a week. And he makes tens of thousands of dollars doing this. He's not streaming video games. I thought it was just video games nope. on Twitch. but it's any topic you want to talk about.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like what we talk about.
0: Yeah, doesn't have to be tech. No. Nope. We could talk about... Puppies. Puppies or cars or whatever. Anyway, he's really transparent. So he's going to tell us how much he makes, how he's doing it, and uh, even a, a few tips for the budding Twitch streamer out there. It's not as hard as you think. Let's talk about some of the tech news here, John. Uh, we talk a lot about electric vehicles. Yes. And uh, it looks like... Uh, the the new Hyundai Kona electric vehicle is having a few issues.
1: Uh, well, it's not just not not just the Kona. It's actually a couple different Hyundai models. Okay. But it's because of this LG Chem battery pack that are in these vehicles. And there's actually some guidance from them if you have uh, very specific uh, model years of the Hyundai's. Uh, and previously, GM also recalled their some of their Chevy Bolts. And basically, is a um, uh, there's a there's a concern that these could catch fire, and that if you're going to be charging them, you shouldn't charge them indoors. <laughs> that's that's not good. No, it's no, because a lot of people park in them in their garage, right? So they can have access to the a level two charger or something like that. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, they're 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 all being recalled. The batteries are being replaced. So, and, and if you have, uh, a, an electric vehicle from Hyundai or GM for that matter, uh, you might want to check with your dealer if you haven't already, if they haven't already reached out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not, it's not good. The thing is that there's research that says that EVs don't catch fire any more frequently than a combustion gas vehicle does.
0: Yeah. But everyone's so paranoid about Well,
1: yeah. Cause you're plugging it in and, and yeah. you know, there's electricity, batteries, and, batteries. Yeah. Yeah. So, but. It's, it's a interesting approach that they've taken. The Google Nest
0: Hub second generation has come out, uh, just uh, released this week. And this is uh, a digital assistant. They've already had one uh, out already, the first generation. It's got a seven-inch screen on it. I have one in my kitchen. And even my wife loves it. Uh, she hates when I stick all these gadgets in the house all the time because half of them don't work properly. And, you know, I can see why. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the new one has come out, and it has all the Google goodness in it. You know, you can watch Netflix on it, listen to music. Uh, you can watch recipes. It, I mean, it does a thousand different things.
1: Yeah, but the, it's kind of got an, a new trick under the hood that I I think this is actually really cool. It is cool.
0: They're trying to get it into your bedroom and not in a weird way. So some people are going to be on board with this, and I know some people just hate being tracked even further but it's got a special Soli sensor in it and they're really a- aiming it as a uh, a nightstand clock beside your yeah. bed and it's it's this, not a camera it's it, not a camera it's like radar it doesn't have a camera yeah that's and a key point i think i think it's important that they didn't put one in this yeah so this solely sensor it, it's it's amazing it's so sensitive it can actually measure your respiration rate yeah. like how well you're breathing but it also measures things like, you know, how much you're coughing during the night, how long you're snoring for and gives you a, and how long you've slept for as well. And so we've talked about these wearables, uh, Apple watches and Fitbits, you know, many times, but this was
1: really a different take on it. Well, and then this is the thing is I, I like the idea of sleep tracking, but I don't like the idea of wearing something while I'm sleeping. Yeah. So this is basically a passive device that just, is in your general direction and it can actually detect you. My question to you though, is we should, we're doing some testing on it right now and you've tested it for a little bit while now, but what if you're like your dog or your cat's on the bed with you or your, your partner? Like, does that ever skew the results?
0: Well, it did say I barked for three of those. (laughs) seven hours I slept. I don't know. I, you know, I've only tested it for a few days now and obviously we'll learn more as more people get into it, but apparently you've got to be within two to three feet of it. Right. So I don't know if it's going to be detecting coughing from like, if my wife beside me starts coughing, is that part of my sleep? Yeah. tracking? I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting. It, it uh, you know, you tell it when you want to sleep typically at night. So I picked 12 to seven. So, you know, midnight till seven in the morning. And it it gave me some really interesting things. The biggest thing was the snoring thing for me, which was not a surprise for Alana, my oh, wife. Or,
1: or anyone's ever shared a hotel room with you.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I know I snore, but I'm thinking, ah, how long could I be snoring for? Apparently a long time. Out of the six hours that it recorded me getting actual sleep, I snored for five of those six hours.
1: And Alana's like, you don't need a device to tell me that. <laughs> yeah.
0: You don't need to spend one hundred and thirty dollars. <laughs> like, I know that. I've known that for years. But it, it is interesting, right? I, I think we're all concerned about our sleep. It's it's a major part of our lives, and the better sleep we get, the the better days we have. So, you know, it's one hundred and thirty bucks. So far, I'm giving this thing a thumbs up. Like we're going to be testing it more, but I'm I'm just intrigued by what it can do. Yeah. And, yeah. And at nighttime, you can even have it play soothing sounds to to get you to to fall asleep. And because it's got that sensor, you know, when the alarm goes off in the morning, like before I had the old one, you had to touch the screen and you know. Trying to do that when you're half asleep? Yeah, it's 6.30 in the morning. Forget about it. This one, you just wave your hand. Use the force. Yeah. Now I never wake up. (laughs) I sleep in because I keep hitting snooze. Let's uh, talk gaming. Uh, and desktop gaming. This is a a huge thing. I know a lot of people when they think gaming, they think on their iPhone or Xbox or PlayStation, but a lot of people prefer to do it on a desktop computer because of the sheer power.
1: Yeah, and you can do a lot more and there's a lot more options than on the consoles.
0: So. Intel, they're one of the leaders in processors in the world, especially when it comes for uh, high-powered processors, pr- processors for gaming. We've got a great guest on the line. Her name is Lisa McManus from Intel Canada. And uh, today we're chatting about uh, the latest from Intel. It's their 11th generation desktop CPU for gaming, codenamed Rocket Lake. What does that mean? We're going to ask Lisa. Hey, Lisa, thanks for joining us.
2: Hi, how are, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: You guys like having, co- I guess all tech companies like having code names for their different products and software and services. Uh, why Rocket Lake? Did they they let you in on that?
2: They didn't, but you know, they generally pick, um, you know, the national park and then have maybe lakes within the park or in a certain region, um, but there's no hardcore reasoning behind it. It's just, uh, I think the designers get a little bit of flexibility there.
0: Bunch of nerds over beers. <laughs> Watching the SpaceX launch. <laughs> Watching the SpaceX launch, yeah. So, uh, Lisa, uh, desktop computing. Uh, and, you know, I've got, uh, you know, some sons that are really into it. Uh, that is a, a big category. How important is it for, you know, companies like Intel uh, to, to be at the top of the the heap there?
2: Yeah, no, it's a huge focus for us. I mean, you guys are really familiar with the the boon that these uh, that gamers have seen and, and we've seen in gaming and over the last year with the, the lockdown um but for intel you know it's a really key element of, of what we do and it's all about the customer experience right so gamers are really important customers for us and you know we focus on continually improving their gaming experience because intel is a big part of that across a lot of the the elements of of gaming devices
0: well, there's uh, a number of different, I guess, levels on the, I'll call it the chip scale, the Mike Agarbo chip scale. Um, mm-hmm. you've, you've probably seen this if you've <laughs> gone into a store, a computer store, looking at laptops or computers. Uh, you know, Intel's got their uh, core i5, i7, i9s. Uh, at the top of the range is the i9s. That's the the, the one that packs the, the most punch. Uh, why is it important to have so much power in, in these chips?
2: Well, you know... Um a lot of the design elements of the games require um processing power right so if you consider think of a game any game actually any triple a game for example all the elements of the graphics of the processing speed you know as your guys running through a deserted street shooting or whatever he's doing those are all instructions and the more instructions there are in a game and basically commands like as you're typing and you're going left right and you know double kick and those are all elements that this processor has to manage. So the processor is sort of like the brain of the PC. And so they get all these different instruction sets. And it's really important because games are very complex and there's a lot of instructions and and commands in a game as you're playing it. And the the CPU really takes all those commands, manages it, so they take instruction and then they send results back. And that's how the game is basically played, right? And the more power and the more technical the game is, the more compute power you need to do all those mathematical calculations, manage all the AI elements, right? Like, you know, as you're running through, for example, a street, you see different um, buildings passing by, the armies, there's a thousand people, so all those things require compute power to make them seamless and flow smoothly. And that's why it's really important to have a powerful CPU in your in your gaming device. Is this like
0: the car industry? Uh, you know, when I look at cars like the Hondas and you know Volkswagens, Porsches, um, they've got like the race car series. Of cars that are the the pinnacle of technology. Do you find that the technologies in these high end uh, gaming processors trickle down uh, to the the other lines?
2: Absolutely. Like you know, generally, quite often we start with the i nine, and then the i five and seven are, are released. But you know, it's important because. Y- from an intel perspective there's a whole range of gamers out there right there's a there's a bunch of um, budgets that people are comfortable spending in, in their entertainment sectors and there's also different skill set levels and also interest different interest levels right so you've got gamers that are like hardcore esl fans that want to play and compete and you have people that just do it for fun and you have people that are learning. So, a lot of the element about the high-powered, you know, having those available is because you have a really great subset of folks that love competitive gaming. They love to play online with their friends. They love to play and stream. But then you have the folks that use it for, you know, not as competitive and and maybe not as intensive gaming and computing requirements. So, that's sort of why we start with a really big one and then we have, you know, steps for people because there's different budgets and different interest levels. So, It really makes sure that you have a great option and lots of choices when you're choosing what you want to buy.
0: We're talking with Lisa McManus from Intel Canada all about the new uh, Intel 11th generation desktop CPUs or processors for gaming. Uh, it's been really interesting for me, uh, Lisa. You know, here at the the show, we've actually been getting into building PCs again. This is something I used to do for a living back in the 90s. Uh, it hasn't changed that much. Obviously, the technology's gotten a lot better, but it's still the basic components. You got to have a motherboard. You got to have storage and and memory, uh, and of, car- of course the processor uh, as well. Uh, so we've been having a lot of fun, uh, you know, building these uh, PCs uh, again. And it's not as, uh, you know, difficult as I, I thought it would be getting back into it because, uh, uh, you know, again, a lot of uh, great YouTube videos for doing that uh, as as well. Do you find a lot of people getting into building their
2: own PCs? Yeah, I think there's definitely folks that, you know, if if... I find it's what it is. Is there's sort of a progression in players, right? They start off gaming, and then as they get more and more into it and more complex, they want to really amp up what they do, right? So they may do their own builds where they buy the CPU, all the elements separately. Um, So we do see that as as a really important part. And as you know, Intel sells components as well. So folks quite often will buy the CPU, like for example, in the 11th Gen that you mentioned, their 11th Gen S series. They've got like amazing Core i9 11. 900K, which means unlocked. So, people that are doing builds tend to do unlocked versions because then you can overclock your, your devices and it really allows for really uh, really exciting and really improved performance over our standard speeds, right? The, the 5.3 gigahertz, for example, on the i9, you can boost that with your overclocking. So, yeah, we are seeing that a little bit, but amazing portfolio of pre-builds too, right? For folks that are love gaming but are not that technical
1: i was going to ask lisa if if you notice a trend of you know i guess the the car equivalent would be like a cartooner it's like someone that wants to just really like specifically build a pc for a very specific game and that's kind of their platform or are they more generalist so they want to be able to play a wide variety of games and that may be where the pre builds come in for example
2: I think that's a great analogy because that's sort of what it is, right? As you guys know, every game is different with regards to requirements, right? So the most important thing that when you're purchasing a system, you know, make sure you know your games and you understand what those requirements are. Because sometimes, for the most part, all the games, there's a great selection of pre-built devices that are out there but yeah you're right say if someone wants to amp it up that's where then you you start to get into those those um really technical guys that add speed they add space they add memory there's so many things that they can do but i think from a standard kind of not i wouldn't say standard user because gamers are rarely standard right yeah but from someone that wants to get into gaming that's where i think there's a great need to understand understand what they need for the games they love, right? Because some games are a GPU heavy, other games are CPU heavy. So it's really important to understand your gaming that you love and, and buy accordingly.
1: I, I think that's really important too for maybe say parents that are buying for their for their kids, for example, to understand mm-hmm. you can't just go and, and buy something off the shelf without really knowing what their favorite games are, the style of games, so they make sure they have a, a an appropriate choice when they're buying a machine for their kids that they're going to maybe put together as a as a family even.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I think there's a good sort of like, I would say baseline that you can sort of say, you know, if you're gaming and you anticipate this gaming to live on for a few years, maybe look at an i7 and then you really want to have, you know, a a GPU that's one of the latest generations is really important. And then from a RAM perspective, maybe at least 16 gigs to make sure that you're, you've are you got lots of volatile memory right out there. And then from a storage perspective, we're seeing a lot of pre-builds that have both a, say, one terabyte hard drive as well as a one terabyte SSD. So, you have a lot of space for storage. So, those, one, those um, files that you don't use frequently, um, then you can go on and put that on the hard drive and then the SSD is much faster. So, you know, that's maybe where you have your operating systems or your game library. But I think if you sort of look at those things and have those minimums, um, I think you're really going to have a really good selection of of a pre-built device out there.
0: If you want to find out more information about putting together your own PC, we've got a couple of great videos up on our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Stephen and I uh, got together, and I'll have to say Stephen's the smarter one.
1: He is award-winning PC builder. Yes,
0: uh, and I'm like from the 90s, so mm-hmm. kind of old school meets new school, even though he's old school too. He's yeah, just but you it.
1: weren't putting together an Atari. No.
0: <laughs> anyway, we've got a couple of great videos up on our website if you want to just kind of see you know, the different types of components and what it takes to put together. And uh, Lisa, people can find out more information about the the new Intel processors up on your website, I imagine.
2: Yeah, that's right. You know, the as I mentioned, the S series processor family, it's amazing, you know. We've got new architecture um that's really increasing, you know, how the games, how fast the games are, how high, much higher frame rates. We've got 50% better graphics performance. So I think with the 11th gen, there's a lot of really great wins for folks out there, right? Um our new Intel Xe graphics have a 50% i mean if you guys can imagine anything that's 50% improved so much more immersive graphics experience and then we also have like you know intel deep learning boost let me tell you about which is accelerating the ai to improve image recognition object detection three times better than our prior generations an amazing o- overclocking um enhanced tools that we have in the new gen so definitely something to look into we have an amazing website for gaming and helping to understand all the elements of gaming at intel.com gaming
0: thanks for joining us lisa
2: my pleasure thank you for having me guys
0: we're going to talk about twitch now twitch streaming and i know a lot of listeners are going What's Twitch? You know, I get Twitches sometimes <laughs> if I'm in pain. Uh, Twitch is a, a streaming service that Amazon actually bought. And a lot of people use it to stream their gameplay, video gameplay. Not just gameplay. But that's kind of, that's a big use of it. I think
1: that's where it kind of started. It was a platform for that. But yeah. I think a lot of people are realizing that whatever their hobby is or the thing that they find joy in, they can do on a, in front of a camera. And other people want to watch
0: i found that so uh, so interesting it, it reminds me of a, of a story uh my son had his girlfriend over teenage son and so they're up in his room door was open and uh so he's on his computer and you know there's like world of warcraft video game going on and she's just on the bed watching him and i'm like hey dude like don't play video games while your girlfriend's over you know do something with her and then he looks at me like I'm an idiot. I'm not playing it. I'm watching it. <laughs> <laughs> and he was watching it on Twitch. Well, we're going to try to understand this a bit because people are actually making money on this as well. We've got a, a, a Twitcher. I'm going to call him a Twitcher. Okay. Can I? Uh, his name <laughs> is Jerry Berg, a.k.a. Barnacles, and uh, he's on the line from Seattle. Thanks for joining us, Jerry. How's it going? Good. Uh, So tell our listeners again uh, how long Twitch has been around generally and uh, how you got involved with it.
3: Well, for me, I've been a YouTuber for about 14 years, and I used to live stream over on the YouTube platform. But then the Justin TV thing was blowing up. If you guys remember that, that was the other side of Twitch where people were just doing crazy stuff that was not gaming related. Eventually, it just got digested into Twitch. And I moved over and tried out the platform because I didn't like the moderation tools and the community tools that they had on YouTube at the time because it was really in its infancy, their live streaming stuff. So I moved over to Twitch and I just instantly loved it. I love I love everything about the control, the way that you can moderate it. Um, I, I love the tools that they give you as a creator, the things that they give you for interacting with your audience. It's just a much better platform in my opinion for streaming to a more solid audience. You may be able to get more viewers technically on YouTube, But Twitch is just a, I mean, way more loyal audience, way better system for controlling everything. I mean, I've absolutely loved it. I've been on the platform now for about six years and really serious about it for the last four. So
0: what do you do on the platform? You're in front of your computer. You've got a webcam going. You're
3: on Twitch streaming. What are you talking about? Well, on my stream, I go pretty crazy. Sometimes it gets a little NSFW, but I pretty much just talk about uh, technology was the primary kickoff for the channel, but now we'll venture into anything. I pretty much let the chat drive the conversation. So my entire stream is interactive, and that's kind of the model that I've built uh, over the last couple of years, is that from the moment I start the show all the way through, I may have one or two topics that I want to hit, but over the course of five hours, I just interact with the audience. Whoa, whoa, anything whoa, whoa. That they can whoa, whoa, five yeah. hours? Oh, I can go for nine hours. Some of my streams are up to nine hours is about my limit. I start, my voice starts going after that. John, would this almost be like radio?
1: (laughs) 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 It's very similar. Yeah, yeah, it's like live radio, but like Jerry mentioned, he engages with his community and the community sort of shapes what the show is going to take that day.
3: Yeah.
0: But but don't you line up a topic though? You got to have some sort of topic.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I usually have uh, like two or three topics that I'll put in the title of the show kind of to entice people to come in if it's something they're interested in. But I'm going to be honest. I've had shows where I've missed two of the three topics, like just because we get off on so much more interesting things that the majority of chat is more invested in than the topics that I picked. And we'll just follow those out.
1: It's funny because I've watched your stream a lot, uh, you know, and we've been friends for a couple of years now. But Oh, yeah. Um, it's funny to watch that happen in real time, though, because you'll be, you know, I'm going to talk about crypto today, and then someone will like throw a meme or just something in the chat that it becomes this quick diversion to crazy town. And cool. that's where the magic happens, where people get really engaged because they realize they have the power to engage with the host in real time in front of a large audience. And Jerry has a very large audience.
0: Well, how how big is your audience, Jerry? Like, How many people are tuning in to your musings?
3: So my average viewership is around six hundred to a thousand live viewers and over the course of a live stream Sorry, usually what? about ten or eleven. Sorry, how so, much? so about six hundred to a wow. thousand is my is how many live viewers I have at any given time. Yeah. And then throughout the course of the show of people coming and leaving over five hours, it usually works out to about ten 000 or eleven thousand unique viewers.
0: That's not bad, eh?
1: It's really good.
0: And so it's interesting to me because whenever I thought of Twitch in the past, it's just video gaming. And I've met people like in my travels as a journalist you know I go to these events I'm invited to by Samsung and all these guys and they invite all these twitchers yeah these twitch streamers and I'm like so <laughs> well they invite Jerry okay I haven't seen Jerry yet but I <laughs> hopefully I will <laughs> uh, I have and, been at a TwitchCon. <laughs> yeah I met this little guy from Belgium and he just he just plays video games all day like yep. on Xbox uh, and he was he's making thousands of dollars yeah so how, how do you make money Jerry on twitch so
3: so the way that I, the way that i monetize everything across the board is my youtube used to be my bread and butter like youtube just making edited content used to be like 90 percent of my revenue that shifted over the last year or so just due to some problems in my life and things like that live streaming became something that was much more enjoyable and accessible to me so now twitch is by far my largest revenue stream and the reason for that is, is there's so many vectors for, for getting revenue into the stream because you can have bits, for instance, that are from people that just watch advertisements. They don't have to pay anything into the system. Just watching an ad, they get some bits, they can throw it your way, and then that can be exchanged for money. They can also subscribe to your channel which costs them money, or they can use Amazon's Prime, which if they have an Amazon Prime account, they can just use that to get a free sub to your channel every 30 days. So you can use that as an avenue for people to contribute. So there's multiple ways for people to contribute that doesn't cost them anything out of pocket, and then there's a bunch of bonus ways that they can contribute that that is directly out of pocket. And the way that that stuff's presented with, uh, you know, mechanisms like the hype train, for instance, that gives you some visual indicators on screen and stuff that you're building up towards a goal or something like that. Things like that pretty much, like, you know, kind of i don't want to say like it antagonizes but it does it antagonizes the audience to get involved and to all want to be a part of it that's one of the things i actually don't really like about twitch though so i understand that it's great for revenue generation but i do feel that that hype train mechanic is a bit predatory but i do understand like why it exists
1: yeah that whole aspect is interesting because it becomes this almost a fever pitch but on the other hand too people want you to keep doing what you're doing. So they're willing to like throw you a $20 bill, you know, just because you said their name on, on, on stream or something like that. And absolutely like it, it doesn't take much for people to get excited about that. And you multiply that by the number of viewers that he has. It doesn't take long. Jerry does good.
0: But how do you manage that? Jerry, can people actually talk with you? Oh yeah. 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 So so, like if you've got thousands of people tuning
3: in, like how do you manage that? Like that would just be overwhelming. So, so the first thing is I recommend that you get diagnosed with ADHD because surprisingly that actually helps.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so,
3: so no, I have like five windows up across 50 inch screens that all have different scripts running that are highlighting people that are trying to get my attention by tagging my name so that I can pick them out of a crowd. I have mechanics for if they tip or they donate or give bits or subscribe to the channel it'll push them to the top of the queue so that I can basically just work my way from the top of the most supportive people down to the people that aren't supporting at all and just work that mechanism top to bottom throughout the entire course of the show can I ask you how much money like a, a range yeah. that you make no no absolutely I'm completely transparent okay. uh, last year I made it was it was a pretty bad year it was about 60,000 um, Jerry, my worst Jerry year, I hate you a little <laughs> you're just uh, no, you're me. gonna hate me even more. My top year with when I when you tie YouTube into that when I was I, I've been down for a year. I've been having medical problems. Yeah. On my best year, I made over three hundred and fifty thousand. Are that's,
1: you kidding me?
3: That's U.S. dollars. Yeah. So 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 keep in mind, last year I made fifty, but like five years ago I made three hundred and fifty thousand. So a lot of that has to do with my my life changes and just the scene changing. Anytime something's profitable, people are gonna dilute the pool, right? There are yep. more streamers, less viewers. So so that's gonna happen. But no, on my top year when I came out of Microsoft. I was making more money live streaming and making video content on YouTube than I was ever working as a senior software developer.
1: And I remember when I, I first came across you when you 3D printed a uh, Stormtrooper outfit. Yeah. That was, that was pretty awesome. He, he custom 3D printed it for himself.
3: A guy on the other side of the world literally designed the suit from pictures. I I, I held a T-pose, and my wife went around me in the front yard and took like 400 pictures of me. A guy on the other side of the world 3D modeled an entire one-off episode. <laughs> was it Episode 7, Stormtrooper? like yep. It was new at the time. Yeah. And I 3D printed it in 68 pieces on these Ultimaker 3D printers, assembled it, painted it, and wore it to Penny Arcade Expo.
0: You are a weird dude, Jerry we're talking about twitch twitch streaming uh i thought it was just video games but it's everything basically people talking on the internet building up a following and getting paid for it as well we've got uh, a really cool guest on his name's jerry berg also known as barnacles thanks for joining us again jerry you bet i'm happy to be here uh yeah i can't believe he's making some he's making like 50 60 grand a year in twitch isn't that crazy
3: and, and, and that's on the low end. That's yeah. like me just doing it a couple times a week. Like yeah, that's the other thing.
1: Special. He stream. Jerry, what's your schedule right now? You stream like Monday, Wednesday, Friday.
3: Yeah, Monday, Wednesday, and and Friday, and then I do a stream that doesn't really generate much revenue for me called Tech Talk over on YouTube on Saturday. Yeah, just just with my friends. It's just it's basically just a get together that we kind of you know broadcast on the internet.
1: Well, if you need some guests yeah we have a show called Tech Talk
3: <laughs> oh do you really <laughs> well apparently he's got money we're suing him for trademark infringement hey, come after me Bleed this turn up dry let's <laughs> so, so, see what you got
0: okay so you can make some money on this you've got thousands you of followers and listeners and it's just like a chat basically slash radio show when, when yeah, you think yeah, about it yeah. but you can have yep.
3: video like everyone's got video going right uh, not uh, no, no no actually I'm the only one broadcasting video everybody else is just text in a box yeah
0: Okay, Jerry. How how do we get started on this? Like, I've got listeners right now. They're thinking, "Hey, I've got some cool things I want to talk about." You know, how do I get how do I get going?
3: It's incredibly easy, and it's one of the reasons why so many people are jumping into it right now. Is all you need is a camera, any camera. It does it doesn't matter. It can be it can be a really really cruddy USB camera to start off because what you're selling really on Twitch is personality. That's what's more important than anything. People people always say, "Oh, you got to have this great equipment. You got to have this great lighting." No, that makes it better later on but don't (laughs) invest up front because then you'll put like unrealistic uh requirements on yourself to to match that setup so i tell everybody start off with your phone load the twitch app on your phone go straight to live stream on your phone walk around and treat it like a vlogging exercise go do fun things observe them interact with your audience the biggest thing though is interaction if you do a live stream where you're not interacting at all and the audience is passive to them it feels more like they're watching a video Than a live stream, so so just make sure that you you know every every once in a while it can be like every couple of minutes, but make sure you're paying attention to what's going on in the chat and responding to some of the things, or people will lose interest.
1: It's funny, I follow a bunch of streamers that they play things like Animal Crossing, you know, a pretty chill, slow moving game, and they spend most of their time. Doing whatever the chat is asking them to do, or or yeah. trying to find stuff, and and like the whole interactivity, it takes them a long time to like walk across the street in the game because there's so much interaction with the audience, which is fantastic, and, and it's actually part of the fun. And like you said, it's all about the personality, right? Like, are they a, are they a slow talker or are they a quiet talker? Like they yeah. have they have to have some life in them, and generally the chat gives people life too. So.
3: Yeah, the general rule of thumb is if you're uncomfortable in front of the camera, everybody else is going to be uncomfortable watching you. And that can be a tool. You can use that as a tool. Like like if, if your intention is to be really awkward and really uncomfortable, there's an audience for that. <laughs> but if that's not your intention, like go loosen up a little bit before you get on camera. And the other thing you need to realize is that you're safe. A lot of people seem to have this perception that because they're live streaming on the internet they're like oh my gosh what if i do the wrong thing or say the right wrong thing or whatever within reason no you're safe you're in the confines of your house nobody's going to get you the boogeyman's not going to come and get you just be yourself treat the camera like it's your best friend in the room that you would tell anything to and just have a good time but how and do you, i'd also say get some mods how get some you, moderators too <laughs> yeah how do you build up an audience though look if you're just starting from scratch and i want to talk about puppies Yeah, so if you want to talk about puppies and you're trying to build an audience, I would start going to forums and social media sites on the internet like Facebook, Twitter, and so forth and find groups where people are interested in the subject matter that you're throwing down and then find conversations where your show is relevant to what they're talking about or asking about it and then gently just slide it in there. Do not spam. If you spam and just throw it everywhere, everybody's going to ignore it and you'll get a bad reputation. But if you strategically go pop into a group or a Reddit subreddit or something, be like, oh, hey, I already answered this on live stream number 47, you know, 30 days ago here's a link to it and then that person might like what they see and decide to follow the channel and then they'll get notifications and come back and by doing that you can start to seed your work out there into the wild and people start to take notice and then the world word of mouth takes over after that.
1: The, the other thing too is that's interesting too is the tw- Twitch mechanism itself will slowly start to bubble up things. So whatever your yep. subject matter is, you can go and just browse. I wanna see all the people talking about puppies and then people can see how many people are watching your stream. And sometimes all I can pick the people with low stream counts, just because there's some interesting hook either in their title, maybe whatever their thumbnail is that you get to preview, that some kind of hook that gets you, draws you in. Yeah.
0: Jerry, can I ask you, uh, it, to me it seems it's very male dominated. Is that the case? Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. Yes, it is, unfortunately. But that is changing. I am seeing a lot of change in that space and a lot more female streamers bubbling up to the top even. So so I'm really happy to see that, but that wasn't the case for many years. But
0: that, that might also that might be an
3: opportunity for female streamers. Huge. Right yeah, well, you yeah, yeah, have yeah, a much I, bigger I, demographic I, coming in, like wanting to watch your stuff because you're new. You're, fe- you're female, I
1: think female streamers have a, a, a bigger struggle too with all the toxic masculinity that's on the internet sometimes too. So, but it's just interesting though the variety of things people are doing like I've seen crafting streams people you know whatever their Mm -hmm. hobby is that type of thing Um, I also over the pandemic I got into watching DJ streams because it's basically free music from all over the world yeah from really high level DJs
3: yeah DJ stuff is awesome have you seen the VTubers and how they're taking over the world right now yeah so, so so VTubers the concept of becoming your virtual self. Nobody sees you or hears the real you. You're basically operating a marionette of a 3D model or a 2D drawing and, and your voice changing yourself so that nobody watching the stream knows you as you truly are. So it'll, it's like you going to a, a party dressed in like full costume. Nobody knows who you are. So it allows you to have a little bit more confidence if you're afraid to be in front of the camera, for instance. And it opens up a whole new world to a whole nother group of live streamers. And people seem to love it because it's just new and interesting. We've been talking with
0: Jerry Berg. He is a Twitch streamer. His uh, name online is Barnacles. You can check him out there. Jerry, thanks uh, for joining us today and uh, start sending some of that
3: cash over, the extra (laughs) cash. You bet. I'm going to go earn some of it right now after this. I'll I'll take it in Bitcoin. (laughs) That's cool. (laughs) Hey, I might have some Ethereum laying around, but all my Bitcoin's spoken for, buddy. Okay. (laughs) Hey, thanks for listening to the get connected
0: podcast if you like what you hear subscribe rate and review us you can find us on apple podcasts google podcasts spotify or curiouscast.ca if you want to get in touch with us you got to check out our website getconnectedmedia.com we've always got great contests going there you can drop us a line anytime we'll see you again next time